Yes, Father in heaven, we thank you for the powerful name of Jesus. We thank you that we can be gathered together. You said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here and that you're also with the people watching online and that we get to meet as a church. And the church is not in a building or a building. The church is everywhere where people come together in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you, Jesus, that your name is greater than any other name and that your blood has cleansed us from all of our sins and that you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, and you are the name above all names. We praise you now and forever, and we want to live for your glory. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I greet you here, and I also greet you at home. Thanks for being with us. You can take your place. And uh, we will start a new series of messages today. Uh, and I will call this series Rock Solid. Rock Solid. And today is part one. And the title today is Building a Forever Faith. A faith that lasts forever. Now, the last couple of weeks, we talked about building and strengthening your wall, your wall of defense. We need a strong wall of defense in our lives so that we are ready for the attacks of the enemy. We are ready for anything and everything that comes against us in our lives. We got to be dressed with the armor of God, dressed for true success with God's armor. And we also have to build that wall, you know, whatever comes our way. And I told you that in the ancient days, the city walls were very, very important. They were the key to safety and stability and defense for that city. And when the walls were broken, it was easy game. It was easy prey for the enemies. So we have to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, with a strong wall of defense. Today, in this series, we will continue to build. So the whole summer, actually, we're going to talk about the building and building on solid ground, solid as a rock, rock solid. See, it's not only important what you build, it's important how you build, and it's also important what we build upon. Jesus said in the last words of his great Sermon on the Mount that a... <laughs> I got it, actually. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I killed a fly. I'm sorry. <laughs> but whatever. So <laughs> I've never done that before. That's the first time, the first time ever preaching. I even had a fly bothering me. I promise. I've never had that happen before. And I, that's the first time I ever killed anything on stage. But there it is. I promise. Never, ever have I done this in 23 years of preaching. Whatever. So please forgive me. I'm not a bad guy. I just, that, that fly was bothering me. <laughs> I was being distracted and I killed, killed it. I got it out of the way. Anyway, so we will continue to build. That's what we will do this summer, actually. Uh, and that's what this series is about. So the series Rock Solid is actually a sequel 
to the series we did previously about building and strengthening our wall of defense. So what we build, how we build, and what we build upon is so very important. And that's what actually Jesus got to at the final words of his Sermon on the Mount when he said, if you hear my words and don't live accordingly, you are like a foolish person that builds their house upon the sand. You know, and the wind came, the storms came, the waves, the, the rains fell, and they destroyed the house, and the fall was great because it was built upon sandy ground. And then he said, but whosoever hears my words and lives accordingly and does them is like a, like a wise person who builds his house upon a rock. And the wind comes, the storm comes, the waves beat upon that house, and the rainfalls come, and it does not fall. It stands strong because it was built upon a rock. So we have to have a rock as a foundation, solid as a rock. In 1991 was the, the year Christy and I got married in May, in May 18th, actually. That's a day I'll never forget. She was 18, I was 20. We got married, and that summer we did our honeymoon, if you wish, well, with hardly any money, just a little money that was given to us on the wedding day, you know, which was not much, but we chose in Europe, as we visited my family here, we chose to buy a one-month Eurorail train ticket. So we, we went through all of Spain, all the way down to Morocco, uh, you know, across the, the, that um, Gibraltar, Strait of Gibraltar with the ferry. We went uh, all the way to Prague and Berlin and France, and we also came down to Italy, and we stopped at a place called Pisa. Have you heard of Pisa? What's Pisa famous for? The tower. Why is that tower famous? Because it is tall? No. Because of the architecture? No. Why is it famous? Because it's leaning. It's the leaning tower of Pisa. A Pisa, not Pisa. Pisa. Did you know that that tower was actually supposed to fall in the year, year 2007? But they did a whole project of stabilizing it and renovating it. It took like 13 years, I believe, in the 90s and early 2000s. They invested a lot of time and money into the structure. They actually did certain things. I don't know exactly what they did, but they made uh, the tower safe again. Now, the tower will not fall over till the year 2300. So we have 280 years till it will actually fall. And that's good because there's a restaurant right there where the tower was supposed to fall on. And the reason is that it's actually built on marshy, sandy uh, ground. And they knew that, or they discovered that in the process of building in the 1100s, 1200s. It was a long project, but it actually leans in meters, about four meters, so at the, at it's, it's, it's out of plumb, four meters at the top, and it actually moves a few millimeters every year, and it is destined to fall um, because of the 
foundation. And my question to you is, do you want to be, do you want your life to be like a freaky tourist attraction, or do you want to build a strong life forever? Building a forever faith is my message today. How do you want to build your life? How do you want your life to be built? And we're going to look at a passage from 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at a total of 11 verses. And from those 11 verses, I will give you four prerequisites for building a strong forever faith. It's all about growth. As Peter writes this, he's, he's having growth in mind. He's thinking about growth for the believer. Actually, if you read 1 Peter, it's all about persecution from the outside. The church was very strongly persecuted and oppressed. Uh, so the danger was from the outside. But 2 Peter actually talks about the danger from the inside. Deception, false teaching, uh, erroneous, erroneous teachings that crept into the church. So let's read 2 Peter 1. We're going to read all 11 verses at the start. That's, that's basically all the scripture we have today. We have one other verse, I believe. But that's our passage. We're going to go verse for verse through this passage today. 2 Peter 1. So we're doing a small Bible study. Verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now pay, pay close attention because every word is important. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Interesting enough, Jesus said, uh, Thou art Simon, and you shall be called Peter. And the Greek word is the word uh, Petros, which actually means small rock. Now, I think if Jesus and Peter were living today, he would have called him Rocky. <laughs> that's just, I don't know, maybe. I don't know, but really that's what the name actually means. It really does. Study it. And, and then he said, upon this rock, Petras, which actually means big boulder. It's two different words are being used. He calls Peter, small rock, and then he calls the church, the, the rock that the church is built upon, which is Jesus himself, calls it a boulder, a big rock. It's not the same word for my Catholic friends. Just saying, okay? Plus, if you really believe the, the Peter Pope story, you're going to have a problem. Because, in Ma I'm not trying to pick a fight today, but it's fun. Because in Matthew chapter 8, it says that Peter had a mother-in-law. It does. Look it up. Matthew 8, Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And then Jesus came and healed Peter's mother-in-law. If you have a mother-in-law, what else do you have? A wife, obviously, right? You have to. So, but that's not my message. Cut. Okay. Let's cut that out. Um, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace, very important, always in that order, grace and peace. Why? You will never find it the other way around in the Bible. Very simple. If you don't receive the grace, there won't be any peace of heart. You will never have peace first and then grace. You will always have the grace of God first, and peace is the result or the consequence of that grace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partaker of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and, with, and steadfastness with, with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall, for in this way there will be richly provided for, for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this passage really talks about what we received from God through Jesus, verses 1 and 2, and then it talks about growing up, growing up. Now, here's a very important question for you and for me, for everyone watching and listening. Are you growing old? Or, excuse me, are you really growing or are you just growing old? Are you really, really growing or are you just growing old? Very good question because after birth, growth is expected. Okay, and as Christians, we are born into the family of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, in John 3, you must be born of the Spirit. You must be born anew, actually. Born again is more famous, but it's actually born from above is what it really means. A new birth, born from above. That's what this really means. You're, you're born into the family of God. Now, a baby is not expected to act like an adult, obviously, but is expected to grow up. Now, when I look at my life, I have a couple of young men in my life, like Eugen and a guy named Rene. They're like in their early 30s. Uh, Rene is 32, Eugen is 33. And uh, they're like already talking like they're getting old. And I'm like thinking, hey, man, uh, you know, they feel like 33 is already up in years. And I'm like 49. I'm thinking, hey, you could almost be my son. I mean, you really could be my son. It would have been physically possible at 16. But you're not my son. But you could be my son. And I'm like, hey, I feel like 18. I don't look like 18 anymore, but I still, I mean, nothing changed, right? You still feel like, you still feel crazy and you, but you have some limitations, but I feel good actually. But the point is, are we only getting old and older or are we really growing up? You know, when somebody comes to Christ, we don't expect that person to be totally different in their habits from one day to the other. They are made new. Christ comes. The Holy Spirit comes into their inside, and they are made brand new. The old is gone. 2 Corinthians 5.17, all things are become new. But all things means the God part. But it does not mean the our part, which we need to cooperate with to grow with God. See, God helps us grow. But there has to be a cooperation. There has to be no cooperation 
in getting saved. There is no, I mean, we have to say yes, but he did the work on the cross. We didn't cooperate. We didn't do anything for that. But we have to cooperate in being changed into the image of God. So are you growing or are you just getting old? And growth is expected. When a child, when a little child, uh, when a child is little, we tolerate a lot of things. My grandchild is now 17 or 18 months, or time flies, 18 months she is, uh, a couple days ago actually, one and, a year, one and a half years old, no, sorry, 19 months, time flies, it's crazy. And, you know, she starts to talk, she runs around, she goes into places, she's not go supposed to go into dangerous places, she tries to touch places, she doesn't touch, she just put her finger in places. She, we have to watch her when we watch her, like, all the time. But we, we, we deal with it. We don't, we don't panic because we know that she will grow up. So we even rejoice over birthdays. When Samson, Gideon, all the kids get older, we, we, we rejoice that they are growing up. And the Christian life is the same way. We're born into it. It's a gift of God. All we do is receive it. We're born into it, but then growth is expected. Charles Spurgeon is a very famous preacher from a long time ago. He said, the church is full of 70-year-old spiritual babies. But you also find, he said, some younger people that are way younger that are quite mature in the Lord. So let me give you two principles before we go to the four points today regarding growth. Number one, your spiritual maturity has nothing to do with chronological age. It doesn't, you know. It should. You should get wiser with age. Some people actually do. But it's not a guarantee, and it, it's also not a guarantee for spiritual growth. And number two, and here's the good news, you can grow and mature as much as you want. You can overtake your pastor. You can overtake uh, all pastors that you know. You can be so spiritually mature and grown up if you want to, Anybody can. It's not for the special ones, but for those who seek the Lord. The secret is using what God has invested into you. So the Christian life starts with a birth, and then growth is to be expected. It's not normal when there is not growth. But let me give you, from the text, four prerequisites for a forever, a eternal, a forever a faith that doesn't stop. You know, have you ever heard of people that lost their faith? Well, they probably didn't have the real one. <laughs> they had fake faith because real faith endures. Real faith is eternal. And to secure that, you need to listen today what the Word of God teaches us. But verses 1 and 2 give us the foundation. And it is, let's read it again. Verse 1, it says, we have obtained a faith of equal standing. We have obtained a real faith. And we have received grace and peace. So the foundation is the faith that we have. But now we build upon it. We build the structure. We build the house. We build upon that foundation. And to build successfully... Some of the business people will appreciate what I'm going to say today. This is very cool, especially if you're 
in real estate or, or like building and buildings or whatever, con uh, uh, contractor or con construction, you will like this. <laughs> Number one, to have a successful building project, you need the right investor. You need the right investor, unless you have so much money that you don't need anybody else's money, you're going to need the right investor. And in this case, in our godly life, we have nothing to bring to the table except saying, thank you for your grace. So we need God as our investor. And God is our investor. And in verse 1 and 2, let's read that again. I, excuse me, verse 3 and 4. His divine power, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, a life that pleases God, basically. Okay? It doesn't say that God will give you all your greed. He will give you everything you need. Yeah? It doesn't say that God will fulfill every one of your wishes, but he's going to give you everything you need to live a God-pleasing life. And then in verse 4 it says, by which he has granted to us his precious, I love this, precious and very great promises. So what does God give us that we cannot give ourselves? So now, you may be financially so sound and so strong that you don't need investors to do any business or any building project. Well, praise God for that. I'm happy for you. That's fantastic. But in this case, nobody can even buy his next breath. Nobody. You have no chance to buy your next breath or to buy one second of your life. It's a gift. That's why arrogant people are stupid people. Why, why would you be proud who you are. If, if you can go enter an airplane, it could be over in seconds. You could even go get into your car, it could be over in seconds. The car, you can steer yourself, but you're in an airplane, you know, I mean, you don't know who's, who's in there. It's, it's, it's actually faith to go in there. You, you do, you're trusting, you're leaning on somebody else, the people who fixed the plane and who, who made the plane and serviced the plane and maintained the plane and flying the plane. But it been, can be over like that. So why be arrogant if nothing is but a gift of God? Everything is a gift of God. So in verse 3 we see he has the power to give us all things. Isn't that awesome? What does, what does the divine power do? What can the divine power do? The divine power could create the whole universe. It can he raised dead people. He conquered death himself by getting out of the grave. He made the wind be still. That's the divine power. And he says, this divine power has invested into you and you and you and you and you and you and everyone else out there. God has invested in you. So you need the right investor. See, a lot of people following the wrong investors. They follow the wrong promises, empty promises. People promising them, uh, you know, the grandest life, but there is nothing behind it. Now, we have access to his power, and he has invested his power in us, but how good 
are the promises of anybody. How good is my promise? How good is your promise? Let me give you an example. Uh, if I give you, if I write you, I'm not going to do this, but if I write you a check for a million dollars, euro, whatever you want, uh, Turkish lira, that's cheap. No. <laughs> if, if, I, if I write you a, a check for a million dollars, the check is a promise. Only the problem will be on Monday morning when you go to the bank. The banker will look at you, nice try, but the guy who wrote that check doesn't even have <laughs> near, I mean, not even near, 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 near the money, <laughs> not even near, 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 near the money to cover that check. So that check is worthless, right? It's an empty promise. So let me say it this way. The, mil the million in the bank would be the power. The check would be the promise. I think I know a couple people who would have that kind of money in the bank. I mean, I'm, I can't give you their names, but and I'm not sure for certain, but I think I know a couple people. But if, they wrote you if Bill Gates wrote you a check for a million dollars, you go to the bank, hey, Microsoft, Bill Gates, no problem, right? So God is the investor. We cannot buy any life or nothing else. So the promises of God are only as good as the power behind it. And God has given us promises, and he has got the power to back it up. That's very important. God has given us everything we need, but we have to cash the check. So number one, decide for the right investor. What makes me sad is especially a lot of young people nowadays, not only young people, but people in general, but they follow the wrong promises. They follow the wrong gurus and superstars and people promising them, you know, everything you can imagine or not imagine, but it's empty promises. Only God can promise us life and more abundantly, life and life more abundantly, true life, peace, joy, because of his grace. And that's what he has invested into every one of us. Now, we are so precious. We are so valuable. It's unreal how valuable we are. In Psalm 139, uh, David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Would you take a million dollars for your left arm? Let's cut your left arm off. I'll give you a million. Would you take it? Never. Would you, would you take a million for one eye? Not even for one ear. You wouldn't do it. Never. So you are much more valuable than any amount of money just on a physical level. And spiritually, we have been given eternal life and he has invested. And nobody else has the power to back up those promises. Number one, you need the right investor. Build strong with him. Number two, you must follow the building code. Now, this is where your part comes in. Now, the investor, he puts up the cash. He puts up the whole whatever you need to bankroll the project. But now comes in our cooperation. We must follow the building code. Growth needs cooperation. 
in verse 5 through 7, for this reason, for this very reason, take every effort to supplement. Oh, supplement. I like that. You like that. No. Supplement. You know, your faith with virtue. Virtue actually means character. That's what that means. Uh, virtue or character with knowledge, which actually means spiritual knowledge and insight, not just knowledge that you get on the university. And knowledge with self-control. We heard that verse a couple weeks ago when we talked about a man without self-control is like a city without walls. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness, which actually means the fear of God. And godliness with brotherly affection, which is the word phileo, phileo, Philadelphia, friendship love, love for the brothers and sisters, and, and love, which is agape, God's love. That's the highest virtue. So, I love it. We have been given the faith. We have been given real faith. We have been given the precious promises. We have been given grace and peace. And we cannot buy it. We, have, we are absolutely not able to fund ourselves. We cannot. But once God funds us, He needs our cooperation. Very simple. And there's actually seven supplements to our faith He wants us to work on all the time. Let's repeat them again. The fir first one is virtue. I said this is character. Knowledge or spiritual insight, self-control, steadfastness, stability, godliness, brotherly affection, love for the brothers and sisters in God, and love, agape, the love of the cross, love for the sinners, love for people out there, all people. Now, as you see, these build upon each other. It starts with the foundation of faith. And then God wants you to develop character. The character will develop and it will lead to spiritual insight. That will lead to self-control. That will lead to steadfastness. That will lead to godliness. That will lead to a love for the brothers and sisters. And that will, the climax will be loving like Jesus. Loving the world with agape love. The love of the cross. Self-sacrificing love. See, a lot of what the, the people in the world talk about love, or when they talk about love, they don't mean love. They mean everything else but love. They mean, you know, even God they use. What can God give me? What can I get? What can I receive? God, where have you been? God, see, they have misunderstood something fundamentally. We are here for God. He made us to worship Him. He made us in His image. And if we seek Him first, all things will be added unto us. But we cannot use God. We have to give our lives for God to break and use as He wishes. Hallelujah. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says something very similar to Peter. He says in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out. <laughs> the Bible talks about working out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This not, does not mean that you create your salvation. This means that you have salvation, but now you're working it inside out. 
You know, a lot of people have taken this verse, oh, I have to work for my salvation. No, that's not what that is saying. It says, work out your own salvation. You have, you have the faith, but upon the faith, you add, you supplement character. You supplement spiritual insight. You supplement uh, self-control, steadfastness, etc. And love and love for all people and so on. Godliness. 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So in verse 12 it says you have to work out. In verse 13 it says that God works in you. So it's a cooperation. Salvation comes only through God. We can do nothing except receive it. But here, growing, we need to cooperate. My, my, my babies, when they're born, they did not do anything to be born. They just received life. They were given life. But as they grow older, they have to cooperate. They have to cooperate with becoming good, mature people, right? It's the same with us. And we'll help them with it, but they have to cooperate. That's very important. So number one, you need the right investor. Number two, you need to follow the building code. Build upon your faith. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and godly love. Now, is it important for a Christian to have these? Yes. Do we grow in them? Yes. We didn't arrive yet. I mean, I have a lot of weaknesses in many of these areas, but we grow in them. Number three, to build a forever faith is build with growth in mind. Build with growth in mind. In verse 8 through 10 it says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. You see that? Increasing. Underscore that. Increasing. See, it's an increasing work. We grow in these things. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. See, when a Christian doesn't live like a Christian, he has forgotten what Jesus has done for him. I forget sometimes who I am. I don't know how you are, you know. I mean, sometimes I get, especially when I'm in the store and the, there's 10 people in front of me, I get impatient. Don't look at me like that. I get impatient. You get impatient sometimes? And then I don't act so Christian. I get impatient. And I forget who I am. I just forget who I am. I forget I'm a Jesus follower. <laughs> and then I... Um, and God, when he wants to teach you patience, he makes you wait. <laughs> it's, a, it's the only way to learn it. You don't learn it. God, teach me patience, but do it quickly. <laughs> doesn't work. Uh, so we have to build with growth in mind. If you want to, if you're getting married and you're planning a family, you know, you, you may start with a small apartment, but you already have in mind maybe building something else or getting something with a couple of kids' bed bedroom. You know, you build with growth in mind. Um, if you do that, then you have strong faith. Let me give you three kinds of faith real quick. Very important. 
uh, three kinds of faith that you see in the world. You see, number one, it's not fake news. You see a lot of that too, but fake faith. There's a lot of fake faith out there. Now, you can spot it pretty easy, a lot of usually, but these are the people who say, I believe in God. You know what that means? Zero. In today's world, I believe in God means nothing. Because you only have about 8 9% max atheists, agnostics, at least single dig digits. It's maybe even less. Most people believe in something or some power, some energy, some universe or whatever. You know, I believe in the universe. I believe that God made the universe. I believe in you, but I believe that God made you. I believe in the creator. So I believe in God. You can talk to anybody, have a good time talking about I believe in God. Yeah, I believe too. I had that happen to me many times on an airplane once. The guy sitting next to me saw me read a book by John Maxwell, which is not a Christian book. It's a leadership book. He's a Christian pastor. He was a Christian pastor, godly man, but it's a leadership book. And he was so intrigued about what I was reading. I was, re I was actually glancing over. He said, well, what do you do? I said, well, you really want to know? He said, yeah, I'm a pastor. Got quieter. He got really quiet. And then he said, you know, I said, don't be scared. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm just a normal Jesus follower. Well, the conversation basically ended. Yeah. You can talk about I believe in God and all this and that. But many times, either they get really intrigued. What do you mean by that? Is that religion? Or they just don't want to talk about it and it, it stops. But don't be fooled by people who say, I believe in God. Most of the time, it's fake faith. So here's the question that reveals immediately. Now, I've told you this before, I believe. I don't know if I have in this English setting. But you can test anybody, and this test is faster than lightning, literally. You ask any person that you meet, you know, start a conversation, don't bolt bolt in like that, but, this, but ask this question. Hey, by the way, who is Jesus Christ to you? Do you know that within seconds, you know, if you ask me, who is Jesus Christ to you? I say, well, he's the son of God. He's my savior. He's the Lord. He's the king of kings. He's God made flesh. He is the savior of the world. Do you have any questions what I believe? No, you don't. But you ask somebody, and I've done this, I've done this hundreds of times, literally. And within seconds, I know. I've had one guy, this wonderful conversation about believing in God, and then a, an hour-long conversation about God and the world. And then I said, I'm just curious, who is Jesus Christ to you? His head started getting red, like, like a fire engine, red. So he didn't even have to say anything. See, that, you know what he said? That question is unfair. He's a smart guy. If you ask somebody, who is Jesus to you? Oh, well, my mother went to church. <laughs> okay, I didn't ask about your mother. What about? Oh, well, are you a Christian? I'm trying. Well, didn't understand anything. Yeah. So you immediately know. See, somebody who is a Christian and who knows they're a Christian, you know on the spot who is Jesus to you. Who is he to you? My Lord and Savior. There's, 
it's immediate. It's immediate. The answer is immediate, even without words. So don't don't believe this fake stuff. Oh, I believe in God. Universe. They could mean anything. They could mean Allah. They could mean they could mean the Indian gods, or they could mean all of it. So what I do always now. I get to the, the Jesus question as quickly as possible because that's where it is at. Uh, I don't do it in a mean way. I, I, you know, I talk to somebody maybe for an hour or even longer before I even talk about God or religion. But then, but when I want to really know where you're at, I ask the Jesus question. And it's always without fail, 100%. So there's fake faith. There's people also in Christian circles. You know, God has disappointed me. Where is God and this and that? Hey, real faith knows that God has a plan. He's sovereign. Secondly, there's firm faith. Firm faith, a lot of people uh, have firm faith. I think I have firm faith. I think you guys have firm faith. Um, I know these people in here have firm faith. You at home might have firm faith. That's good. You have a solid, firm faith, unshakable faith. You know Jesus, no matter what happens tonight or tomorrow, if you have an accident or bad things happen, you have a firm faith. You know that God will go through you, with you through the valleys and over the mountaintops. He's with you. That's firm faith. But I think there's one more step to take. It's flowing faith. What I mean by that is a faith that is fruitful. See, I want my faith is not a private thing. Faith has to flow through me. Jesus said, go into all the world and tell, the, tell people about me. Tell them, not, not just the preacher, every Jesus follower, tell them about me. That's flowing faith. That's when my faith spills over to other people. And that's what it's all about, being fruitful and uh, reaching other people. So, we're almost finished. We have one more point about building forever faith. Let's repeat the first three. Number one, you need the right investor. God Almighty, Yahweh of the Old Testament, Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is the one who appeared to Moses in the desert. Jesus is the one who was with Daniel in the lion's den. Jesus is the one who was with the three Hebrew boys in the fiery oven. Okay, so that's real faith and, and trusting in God as the investor because he has the power and he has the promises. Number two, what was it? You must follow the building code. Upon your faith, you build virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love for all people. Love God and love your neighbor as your Self number three, build with growth in mind, always growing. And number four is the ultimate climax. Plan for the move. Plan for the move is actually verses, verse 11. Verse 11. We have it wrong on that thing. I think we made that too quickly. But plan for the move. Verse 11, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we get into the kingdom of God only through faith. But what this is saying here is that when we plan for the move, that we will have a grand entrance. I want you to think like this. Jesus said that some people will come to him into his kingdom and he will say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of the Lord. And uh, when we come to Jesus and we follow him, we trust him as the investor, we, we follow the building code and we build with growth in mind, we also are planning for the move. We're planning to leave this world to be with him forever. I think, I honestly believe there will be a grand awaiting, awaiting or a grand, <laughs> how do you say it? Grand awaiting? People will wait to see me. Grand, grand, grand. There will be a grand awakening for those who have followed Jesus Christ. Everybody will get in on their faith, but it's very clear from, from 1 Corinthians 3, for example, that there is um, certain, um, certain rewards. There are certain rewards for those who followed him with all their lives. And I want, the, I want those rewards. So plan for the move. Let's repeat. Number one, we decide for the right investor. Number two, we follow the building code. Number three, we build for growth. And number four, we plan for the move. Amen. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. And we adore you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and kindness. We love you. We thank you that we can trust you, that you are the only investor that can truly be trusted because you not only have the power, you don't only have the promises, but you have the power to back it up. And we thank you. We receive the investment you've made into our lives by grace. We receive it by faith. It is a gift of your grace. We thank you that you have invested into our lives. And we want to cash that check. We want to build with your building code. We want to build upon that faith with character, with spiritual knowledge, with self-control, with steadfastness, with godliness, with brotherly love, with love for all people. We want to build with growth in mind, and we want to get ready for the move. We don't know how much longer we have, but we do know that we will leave, leave this earth someday. If you're watching and you don't know Jesus, pray this. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and my life today. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you, God, became a man that you died on the cross for my sins, that you were buried, and that you rose again on the third day 
and that you are now alive. Thank you, Lord. I give you my life. I receive your life, and I give you mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are a Jesus follower, but you have been building shaky, and you have followed other investors, and you have not really followed the building code, and you have not really been growing spiritually like you should, and you have lived more for this world than for the world to come, just turn around. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I trust you alone. You're the only investor worth, truly worth his word, truly worth his promises. And I ask you to, to just help me trust you completely. And I want to build upon your building code, upon faith and all those virtues. And I want to build with growth in mind. And I want to live as someone who has heaven on his mind. Heavenly minded. That's who I want to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Don't miss part two of Rock Solid next week.